Welcome to SolveCast, where we provide you short, detailed answers to solve the questions that matter most to you. I'm your host for today, Chris Clues, and my guest is Caitlin Channa. Welcome to the to SolveCast, Caitlin. Oh, thank you, Chris. I'm glad to be here. We're really excited to have you. And today we're gonna to talk about eating disorders and how to solve for them. Now, in my time getting to know Caitlin, the first word that comes to mind is impressive. She's currently working on obtaining her master's degree in business and health administration at the University of North Florida, while simultaneously working in an ER. Utilizing her journalism background, Caitlin found incorporating storytelling in the healthcare industry allows us to influence, teach, and inspire our audiences. She founded a nonprofit called Real Stories, Real People, Inc., which tells exceptional stories that ignite emotional responses. Her organization is creating a narrative educational film and guided curriculum entitled Empty on Eating Disorders that will be used in schools nationwide to address mental illness. She's an audacious dreamer, a visionary leader, and a forward thinker who views challenges and opportunities for growth and believes creating a supportive culture enhances innovation. So Caitlin, did I miss anything? <laughs> no, well, thank you. That was a really lovely introduction. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I'm really excited to be here. I told you like in the short time that we've been talking, it's so impressive to talk to you and the things that you're doing. I gave a quick overview, but could you provide us maybe a little bit more on your background, particularly with your journalism background? Yeah, I've always been a storyteller. I always like to say I love to tell stories that are positive, that are engaging, and that will get people to want to get involved in their community in some type of capacity. And so for myself, I always like to say, like, right now, I'm on the mission to tell stories that are purposeful, that help leverage quantitative data and a qualitative format that better tells the story of how we can improve the efficiency within healthcare, especially in behavioral health and pediatrics. But I've been telling stories since, obviously, since I was like two or three, and I can start babbling because we all tell stories at that point. But in all reality, I fell in love with storytelling when I was in middle school. And I believe everyone in life has a story to share, no matter if it's excitement or desperation or hurt or a driven message. We all come together and we're linked to our emotions. And when you're able to tell a story, you're able to empower others, maybe through your experience, you're informing people about something that they're maybe unfamiliar with or a topic that hasn't really discussed or they're not too concerned about and that you get to bring it to their attention or you get to educate others that on something that they would have never really looked into. And so I think the power of storytelling moves us in a direction where we can all be engaged and lean into conversations. Yeah, I agree. I'm a storyteller myself. I love telling stories, uh, real and fake. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right? That's the reason I'm standing in a blockbuster right now. We talked a little bit about the, the, the eating disorders, the empty on eating disorders, the, the, the film that you're working on. How did this become such an important topic to you individually? And can you share a little bit of your story there? Yeah. So I've always been a person that I, like I said previously, that loves telling stories. But for 10 years of my life, I had three different eating disorders, your three most common. So anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. And in that time, that was something that was really hard for me to get through and people be able to process emotions. And when I was a news reporter, I worked in a variety of different states, but at the time I was working in Bangor, Maine. And it was when I recognized that the community needed to be able to address mental illness in a way that we can better inform and learn from it because we had a lot of people die, unfortunately, a direct link, according to physicians, back to eating disorders. So I thought it was an opportunity to maybe enlighten and share our viewers a little bit more about what is this mental illness and how does it encompass someone where it could also take someone's life. And eating disorders really, it hurts our bodies, it confuses our minds, and it bruises our souls. So I always like to say, we have to derive and ask the question, 
what is this desire of self-loathing, body hatred? How do we get there? Why is this the case of, um, of always thinking we're not good enough? We're not smart enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not worthy enough. How do all these questions formulate? And then how do we best be able to debunk them and recognize that those are myths and what are the facts? And so I think as a journalist, along with my my background of also living through eating disorders, experiencing it as a patient, as a person that had to overcome it to be on the other side. It's like, how do we combine the two to be able to best help our young generation along with our thriving generation of adults and pediatrics to how do we talk about this topic? And so Empty came about when I was a news reporter and I was telling the story and I would happen to be speaking in the classrooms at the time. And there was a disconnect of how we talked about eating disorders, and mental illness in the classroom that I was frustrated. I was sharing it with a friend over a cup of coffee and they looked at me and they're like, wait, don't you have the answer? And I was like, no, I don't know. I'm just frustrated. And they're like, Caitlin, you're a storyteller and you've experienced it. You lived with that eating disorder for 10 years in all different types of capacities. Why don't you tell a story about it? That's something that's tangible. That's something that people can experience and walk through the emotions. And that's how the whole narrative story of Empty became um, what it is today and how Real Stories, Real People, the nonprofit that supports Empty was envisioned and created. I love it. And being somebody who grew up in the 80s and went to high school in the 80s, there was clearly a lot of, looking back, there's clearly a lot of eating disorders in my high school. And Mm -hmm. you can look back and you can see it now. When you're a kid, And you're looking at people that are in the hallway with you. You're not really thinking about it. But looking back now, I can imagine how many uh, were just silent about it and woke up every day with this issue that they didn't know how to deal with. And there wasn't a lot of information about it. So I think it's great that you're tackling this head on and bringing it to the attention of kids in particular saying, and and adults, that it's okay. And there are things that you can do. You said bruising your bruises your soul, which I thought that really hit me. Like there's so many things that bruise our souls. Can you tell us a little bit about the the long term plans and providing a solution? You talked about the movie, but beyond that, like where does that go? Do you have the movie? Then what? Correct. We are still a long ways out. So we are a grassroots organization that was started when I was a reporter. And now what I shared with you earlier, um, kind of upped and quit my job at one point, recognizing that news wasn't the right industry for me. I wanted to move into the healthcare sector. So now work in the ER as I'm going to school. And for this film, we started the, writing the script when I was a news reporter. Now we're at the stage of getting doctors and physicians and psychiatrists and psychologists along with therapists and nutritionists to review the script. And so we're five years out from shooting it and we have to get the curriculum approved. So there's so many legal steps that we have to take also to make sure that we're fitting the regulations of, is it common core based? Are we fitting within the right regulations of the school? Is it private? Is it public? How is eating disorders addressed? Because it's a very sensitive topic. We don't want to trigger anyone in the classroom, especially if there's someone that has an eating disorder in that classroom and someone who's never even heard of eating disorders in that classroom. How do you address the message simultaneously to two different audiences in a sense and make sure that it's it's educational and it's beneficial and not harmful so all those questions right so we're talking about in the next five years of trying to wrap our brains of getting the right people involved the right people on board having more eyes look on the script raising the capital and funding that goes along with it then the execution of shooting it so we know where we would like to shoot it we have different actors in place that we like to be able to see in the port so we have a lot of the visions now it's doing all the paperwork so that's one of the reasons why i wanted the mba is to complement what i'm doing right now is like 
all the components of the financial side is definitely needed to support this. So to showcase not only the research side that we have, but also the financial side of how do we carry this to ensure that we can give this film along with this guided curriculum entitled Empty to our school systems free of charge. So it can be used as an educational enhancement resource. And so that's one component. From there, like when we are actually at the stage of wanting to shoot it, we want it to be a community conversation. This isn't us shooting and just picking selective actors. It's getting the entire community involved. So we're wrapping it around finding a very specific community that we have in mind and using their students as our actors, using the community, having the parents involved. And when it, the shooting's taking place in one room, then the other students in the other area are doing different activities that encourage body acceptance, that encourage and empower one another. How do we better support each other and not feel like we're in a bullied society, if that makes sense? Yeah. And so that's one component. And then it's like all the different layers of like, how do we implement that in the schools? How do we create that? So there's so many different tiers and we're just at the cusp of moving forward. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's, it's a lot to think about. And we think about somebody making a movie and all of the things that go into it, but then you're taking it to a whole new level where you have to look at all of these different aspects of it because of the topic that you're talking about. And then all of the different systems when it comes to schools mm-hmm. and how they're going to react to it state by state, county by county, region by region, and having to maybe even make adjustments for particular areas based on cultural issues and things like that. So I I think it's great. I I think it's amazing what you're doing. And you mentioned you hit on the legal aspects a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that takes me to my next question. One of the things that we talk about on Softcast is how companies can solve for a particular problem. And you and I talked before the call, before the podcast, about the idea of liability and legal issues and how you have to walk carefully, walk the line carefully in a corporation. Are there things that the companies can do or they can look for in their employees? And how do you suggest they try to approach something like this? Or can they? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's always a fine line, no matter if you're in business or in personal, if you're approaching someone that might have an eating disorder or any type of mental illness, like an addiction. I think it's always going back to the core root of what is the issue. And usually it's that the issue lies within that person. So it's not loving themselves, not embracing their uniqueness. And then they're using some alternative, some bad engagement. So bad habit to be able to fuel whatever that is that you don't want to feel. And I think as an organization, as a company, right? The biggest thing is how do you best empower your employees to feel like they can be able to vocalize their thoughts on a topic, to feel like they're feeling empowered at work and not being belittled by different levels of management or a title that someone might have. So I think the biggest thing is, right, you have to create a culture and environment where everyone feels supported and it's like a team. So all aspects of the team are working equally and they have to be able to be like their voices are being heard, but they're also being listened to. And that means that the managers and like the leadership team is listening to the people that are maybe on the front end of doing all like more, more of the smaller, the smaller minute details to be able to ensure that the end product gets to where it needs to be. Those people, like their voices are need to be heard. And sometimes there's a gap. We have it streamed out on a PowerPoint of it goes from A to B to C, but it's like ensuring that each person is able to be heard and supported within their department. And then if they can't, that there's other resources and facilities within that organization that's able to support them in some capacity, meaning that they can get outside help, they can get resources, there's other classes and different things to engage with. But I think that goes with anything, even as a friend, right? Like it's listening, hearing what they're feeling, because 
like emotions aren't logic. Like usually when you, it's identifying what is that emotion, what's causing it. And then it's the asking the why questions. Why do you feel that way? Yeah. Why did it drive here? And yeah. so all those questions are so critical and key. And sometimes in business and even in our personal lives, we're always on the go and we don't take the time to ask the why. And I think every organization and every company has to take that moment to ask the why, because if you don't, then you can have an employee that's in the midst of a crux, a crisis or a crux, and they can't get the support that they need. Yeah. And I like the fact that you brought up the idea of leadership titles. I think you said titles. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. we, we think that a title equals a problem solver. And it doesn't always. Just because you have the title doesn't mean that you can solve all the problems. And so right. this idea that we open it up to other people who may not have been the what we would call the, what we call in our company the typical problem solvers, they may be able to solve that problem for you. They may be able to step in and help, particularly when you mentioned if it was a friend of theirs, that they're very close to a cog they're very close to. Correct. So there's no silver bullet. There is no silver bullet for this issue. But are there any, is there anything promising on the horizon beyond what you talked about with the emotional and mental aspects of it? Are there, is there anything on the horizon that you think is promising? Things that you, something that you saw that you say, wow, that might actually be something that's really healthy for helping with the issue of eating disorders. Yeah. I think right now, even as we're all in the midst of COVID, I think it's allowed everyone to take a step back and maybe spend some time recognizing who they are, meaning like they're taking a step out of their typical, atypical day of going to work, getting in their car, doing this. And it's making them recognize what can they do within their own space? Meaning how can they self-soothe when they're overwhelmed? How do you provide self-care? What does self-care look like to you? And I think that goes to eating disorders, but just in every function of life too, is when you are stressed, how do you de-stress? What are those healthy things? And for myself, I've always jokingly said, like, I have a toolkit. And whenever I get stressed or overwhelmed, I have a card of 10 things that I do. So the first one is it, maybe it's writing out what's causing me to be stressed and different things. The second one is going for a walk. Maybe it's calling three friends, writing, saying affirmations, whatever the case is. I think it's teaching yourself how to provide self-care in a time when like you have no control of what's happening around you. And that doesn't have to be right now. That's even with any type of illness. It's like, how do you soothe yourself when you have no control of the outside environment? The only thing that you can control is yourself. And that's the beautiful thing is you have a choice. You have a choice in your activities of which ones you want to engage in and which ones you don't. And you have a choice in how you want to help yourself And if you don't want to help yourself. Yeah. So I like that. I love that idea of wellness. And you talked about the different things that you can do. Mr. Miyagi told us in the Karate Kid, don't forget to breathe. Very important, (laughs) right? And and breathe can be anything. Breathe can be exactly what you talked about. It can be having a cup of tea. It can be daily affirmations, whatever it is to you, whatever breathe is to you, Mm -hmm. taking that moment to better yourself and make sure that you're focusing on your wellness. So how can people find you? Yeah. The best way is going to our website, which is realstoriesrealpeople.org. But just a snag, it's like the film Real is the first Real. So it's R-E-E-L. So Real Stories and then Real People, like actual Real People in our community. So R-E-A-L. And they can be able to learn more of what we're doing with an empty, but also what we've done so far in the community of how we've been telling other stories of other nonprofits, educational institutes, and people with a positive cause. And so you'll be able to see that on our website at realstoriesrealpeople.org. And on there is all my contact information and along with those that are a part of our team. 
Listen, this is really great. And I thank you so much for bringing this attention to this topic, really important topic, because it does cross generations and it just seems to continue to get bigger and bigger, a bigger and bigger problem. And so there needs to be a solution somewhere for it. And I know a lot of people talk about how they, their goal is to change the world, but it looks like you're on your way to trying to do that. So kudos to you. Very impressive. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Oh, thank you. And it's a beautiful thing to watch you about your dream. Started with an idea and it's come to fruition. And you're doing the same thing. Johnny Cade and the Outsider said you still have a lot of time to make yourself be what you want. And that's what we're doing. So thank you again. I really appreciate the time. Great stuff you're doing. And I can't wait to see five years from now the film. So thank you so much. Again, empty on eating disorders. And you can find Caitlin at realstoriesrealpeople.com. That's R-E-L for real people, like the film, real people. I'm sorry, real stories. Sorry, R-E-L, real stories, real people, R-E-A-L, people.com. Perfect. Yeah, it's a mouthful. (laughs) We'll put it on on the podcast as well. So thanks a lot. 